Show us your ways, Lord. Guide us in your truth and teach us. For you are God, our Savior. And our hope is in you all the day long. Amen. Just lean on me, okay? <laughs> That's a song. That is. That's why I said um, those words are taken out of Psalm 25, starting at the fourth verse. Um, today's message is kind of a repeat uh, of the one that I gave Memorial Day with, a, with a, another extension on it. So um, there were not very many people there, so hopefully for, for most of you it won't be uh, too much of a... a, a a redundant, but um, anyway, it's about one of the ways of God and one of the ways that God deals with His people. So I picked this particular psalm to, to pray for us at the beginning, and I'm going. I want to go ahead and read through maybe about um, eight verses of this particular song, and you'll see that word keep cropping up ways. So Psalm 25, beginning in verse four. <clears throat> Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Now, this is interesting. This is a psalm from David. Um, in Isaiah, the prophet tells us that God tells us his ways are higher than our ways. And, and neither are his thoughts our thoughts. But then this psalm, to me, gives us permission to ask for, to recognize and understand and see those uh, when he chooses to reveal them to us. So, that's what David has asked here. Show me, show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior. We just got through singing that. We just pronounced the fact. You, O oh Lord, are our, our God. Um, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. For you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. Um, so I want to... Um, kind of repeat some of the things that were in the Memorial Day message um, and then move on from there with the next two words in the verse that I didn't talk about out of verse 20, 23. Um, uh, so we're in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, Moses is recounting the, the history of the Israelites up to this point. Um, they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan. Um, and this is their second opportunity. Um, this is after 40 years of wandering because they 
more or less blew it the first time. Um, and so let's look at first in Deuteronomy chapter 4. I'm just going to kind of give a brief sketch of, um, of that as we move towards um, chapter 6. The people are urged to listen. Listen to the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And listen means this in the Bible. It means hear it and do it. That's exactly what it means. It doesn't mean, oh, just hear it and then consider it or forget it or anything. Listen means that you hear and do whatever it is that follows. Um, They're reminded that God is a jealous God and a consuming fire. Um, He's not jealous like we're jealous. He's jealous because God has so much that he wants to give his people. He loves his people. There's no other God or being that can provide for his people better than him. So to turn from him, it's like, why are you doing that? I'm the one that is ready, willing, and able and full of an abundant grace to give you the things I desire. That's why he's jealous. You know, and then he sees, you know, when we turn to other ways or other gods, you know, it's like, why are you doing that? I'm your supply. I'm your life. Um, so, you know, he he reminds them, look, I'm a jealous God. Um, he, he reminds them also in chapter 4 that if they seek him with all their heart, they'll find him. In verse 29. And then in verse 40, this is what it says. So you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I am giving you today. That it may go well with you and with your children. Now, that's a promise. It may go well with you and with your children after you. And that you may live long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Now, I have read that verse over and over uh, in my life. And finally, this week, I'm like... God, only you can make statements like that. Think about that. Did you catch it? For all time, he's giving you the land. For all time. He makes this promise centuries ago. He says, I'm going to give you the land for all time. Now, has it appeared to be their land all the time? But in his mind and his heart, it is their land. And it will be their land Again and again. In the end, they will possess this land. I am fully convinced that he doesn't just throw words out for hyperbole, does he? Where does he say that, the land? In 40? In 40. In 40. Verse 40. My Bible says, you prolong your days in the land of the Lord your God is giving you for all time. For all time. It says upon the earth. Lord. Well, that's bigger than just the land, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Not that distinct piece of land, uh-huh. but now, obviously, more like the the children. Obviously, those people um, have seen the land kind of come and go, haven't they? Yeah. But that is one that would be really hard to hold on to. Um, you know, if you've watched a century go by, and now it's your generation, and Okay, God says he's going to give us this land. 
I, I, I just happened to do, I, I did something after seeing that. I thought, you know, I'm going to look out and see if there's any other for all times that he's promised in the Bible. I found three. So I'll, I'm going to, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I wanted to read these to you. Isaiah 25, 8. He will swallow up death. How long? For all time. And the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. And He will remove the reproach of His people from all the earth. It doesn't stop there. It says, for the Lord has spoken. Hebrews 10, 12. But He, having offered one sacrifice for sins, for how long? For all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews ten fourteen, for by one offering he has perfected. He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Those are some verses to hang on to, aren't they? Anyway, moving on to Deuteronomy five. So Deuteronomy four, and he says, listen to the commandments and the statutes. Deuteronomy five. In, in case you've forgotten them, Deuteronomy 5 is a restatement of the Ten Commandments. So, if you want to re- glance through it, you can really quickly. But basically, in that chapter, it's a restatement of the commandments given in uh, Exodus 20. And then we get to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, my Bible has these little summary titles at the beginning of the, of the, of the chapters. And mine says this, Obey God and Prosper. One of the first things he gives here is the Shema, um, which, um, how many of you know that? How many of you good Jews know that? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. And you shall do what? Love the Lord your God with all of you, every part of you. He goes on then and he, he charges them not only to keep the commandments, but to teach them to your children. You know, it's not only that you should listen to them, you have an obligation to teach them to your children. Then he describes the land that he's promised to give them for all time. <clears throat> and then he, does, then he gives some warnings in this, in this chapter. He says, don't forget the Lord who gives you all of this. I don't know about you, but I've got grandkids, and when you give them a toy, they say thanks and they run off, (laughs) and they go play. So, don't forget the Lord when He gives you the things He gives you. Don't test the Lord by saying or thinking, as the the Israelites did at Massa. This tested God. Why did he get angry about this? This is, what, this is the gist of what happened there because they were thirsty and there was no water. And, and one of the last verses uh, in that Exodus 17, 7 says this, Is the Lord among us or not? Now think about that. He's just demonstrated and destroyed ten gods of Egypt. He's led them out, it says, with a high hand, with all lots of possessions of the Egyptians. He's opened up 
so they could cross on dry land. He fed them manna day and day after day. And they're saying, is the Lord among us or not? We're thirsty. <laughs> I think I get kind of ticked too, you know? Uh, and that, so that, that test is it's a, it's a test. You know, have I ever done that? Have I ever like, stood up here and wondered, God, are you with me this morning? We test God. Sometimes we don't even realize we do it, you know? Um, <clears throat> you know, then we're, going, we're finally getting to the sixth chapter, verses 22 and 23. Um, when I was first reading this, I, re, I, I recall that, um, that there's a psalm that says that um, the Lord showed Moses his ways but only his deeds to the people. And so, as as we read this, as I was reading this, I thought, wow, he could have gone into all the detail of the history of, of each plague and what they had to do so that, you know, the angel of death wouldn't come over and how they prepared and when they came through the Red Sea and, and they went this direction, they went that direction. That's another place. But here, this is what he says. This is how he summarizes all of that. He says, Moreover, the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. And so this was the main point of the Memorial Day message, was this, was, this is a way of God. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in. And you will see this pattern with other people as you walk through the Old Testament. We looked at it with with Joseph. We looked at it with David. And finally, we looked at it for on this side of the cross. But he didn't just bring them out of Egypt because it was a great idea. He didn't bring them out so that they would die in the wilderness like they thought. Moses had the big picture. He brought them out because he was going to bring them in. And no matter the difficulties and trials of that time, um, he held on to that. Things were hard in the desert, but they weren't brought out there to die like the people were were thinking. were brought out there for a purpose. Uh, He was going to give them another place to live. Not that they would be slaves, but that they would be free in this particular place. Um, and he would be with them. His presence was with them. And so we saw this um, reflected in the New Testament in a verse that I just summarized as Colossians 1.13. And see if you can see the pattern here. You should be. It's pretty straightforward. Colossians 1.13 says this, For he, God, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so he brought us out of there, where? Kingdom of darkness, to bring us into what? The the kingdom of his dear son, beloved son. So the point was to remember that, you know, in in that process, because we're in the kingdom, but not fully in the kingdom yet. It's so... um, uh, we're getting there more and more, if you will. 
Uh, and it's important for us to keep that in mind when things are hard, when things are difficult, that he's bringing us in. In one way we already are, but in another way we're yet to be fully there. <clears throat> so, um, I looked at this verse and I thought, you know, maybe I should look at this verse in context. You know, it's kind of always good to do that. <laughs> and so, I went back and read this, uh, starting in uh, verse, I think it was 12, let me see. Verse 9, 9b. Um, <clears throat> this is a prayer you all know. You're all familiar with it. You've quoted it. You've probably claimed it. You've probably played it, prayed, prayed it for other people. But I, I thought, wow. Verse 13 is the conclusion, which is almost like... And, and verse 13 starts with this word for. It, for is always a connector. And so... It's almost like as a result of all, or because of verse 13, Paul prays this prayer. And so I'm going to read that, read that prayer starting in um, Colossians 9b. See, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, or way, if you want to put way in there, to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit, Bill's message, in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that, all these things are so that something else can happen, you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the body of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he rescued you from the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved Son. That's quite the prayer. But that's a whole other message. I just wanted to... to for you to see the context of that. Um, back to our opening prayer. Show me your ways, Lord. So, we're looking for that in our own lives as well. Um, so the Israelites had heard this story and the promise for hundreds of years. They'd heard about Abraham and then his son and then his son and how these... People walk through this particular time, and now, 400 some years later, the time had come. The time was here for the, for the land to be, the promise to be given. You're the generation that's going to go in to fulfill my promise. <clears throat> And they shrank back. And they shrank back. 400 years of history for this, this fledgling nation. And here's their opportunity. And they shrank back in disbelief. No, it can't be our time. It's too hard. The people are too big. Um, it looks great, but it's just too much work. 
to get in there. <clears throat> he brought us out from there in order to bring us in. And now's the time I want you to go in. That, that's not the end of that verse. It says, To give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. Why did he promise Abram land? Of all the things he could give him, he made a covenant with him and said, I'll give you, the, I'll give you this land from this place to this place, from this place to this place. Why land? Have you ever thought about that? Now, he was a sojourner. He was a wanderer. So land would be a good thing. Yeah, maybe I could just stop wandering. But, but wait a minute. I'm going to give it to your descendants. I'm not giving it to you. I'm going to give it to your descendants. But he promised land. Have you ever thought about that? Why land? What, did he, what, did, what else did he promise him? Later. You're, you're, you know the Bible too well. <laughs> he, said, he said, look, I'll make your name great. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll make you into a great nation. I thought, okay. So I got on Google and I looked at, what are the characteristics of a nation? There's, well, there's four characteristics and some have five characteristics and some have seven characteristics. But all of them had this characteristic. A nation has a territory. Mm-hmm. A nation has a territory. A people without a territory is just a nationality. Mm-hmm. He promised them a land because he was going to make them a great nation. And a nation needed a place to live, a place of identity. That's why he promised land. <clears throat> so, Moses recounts this history. Moses, this is, Moses is about done. Moses is about to die. And God says, you know, you've done a great job, but now I need you to anoint Joshua. And Joshua is going to be the leader that carries them into this land. And I just want to read um, that exchange between God and Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua. The Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people. That sounds pretty exciting after he watched all the challenges <laughs> Moses had had with these people. It's your turn to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates rivers in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. 
that is something to hold on to when these people are bigger and more in number than you and you're facing them. That is something to hold on to. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Boy, it's starting to sound more and more like it's up to him, doesn't it? This is my command, in case you haven't heard yet. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, I thought that that was kind of interesting how he ended this thing. I'm, I'm with you wherever you go. So don't test me like the Israelites do and say, is, is the Lord among us or not? He would have had so many reasons to think that with all the battles that lay in front of him. Don't think that, Joshua. I am with you. So Joshua followed the faithfulness of Moses and he held on to the Lord's promise just like Moses did. And he won those battles. He led those people and he conquered every place he went. And the Bible says that after many days, the Lord gave rest to Israel from all their enemies on every side. This was at the end of Joshua's time, and it was, uh, and he says this. He stated that he was going to apportion the nations they had not conquered. There were still nations they hadn't conquered. That he was going to apportion those among the tribes as an inheritance, and that they would need to go in without Joshua and possess that land that God had promised. Let's let's bring Richard up now. Richard and Carl have been looking for a new place. Think about, I mean, you probably talked about, imagine, if you could just imagine what you wanted. Think about it. I mean, would it be by the water? Would it be in the mountains with snow? Um, Would it have animals on it? Would it be rolling? Would it be pastures? Would it be wooded? Would you have a view, maybe across somebody else's property? Would it be near Bojangles? <laughs> or room for you to build one there, another franchise? Would it have a dungeon? Yeah, I mean, we all we all have dreamed. Would it have a four or five car garage that you could work on BMWs? <laughs> you know, we all we all have these thoughts of, wow, if I could just have this. Now, what if instead of that, it was promised you? I'm, I'm going to give it to you. I'm, I'm rich. I've got, I own the, own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm going to give it to you. And the, what I'm giving you, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. 
What does that mean? You think there's milk in the rivers? <laughs> it's abundance, isn't it? There's no scarcity there at all. Not only that, Richard, there are going to be cities there that you didn't even build that you're going to be in charge of. Houses that you don't even have to furnish. You don't get to pick the colors, I guess. Houses you don't even, you don't even, you know, you don't even furnish. Olive groves and vineyards that you don't plant. This is what I'm going to give you. Sounds like a good deal. The only, only you got to do is work. You got to believe. You got to believe me. No matter what you see when you get to the. <coughs> Top of the driveway. You gotta believe it's yours. Or somebody else is living there. Yeah. You've got to clear it. If, if other people are there, yeah. it's your job. I'm giving it to you, but you gotta get them off your property. Any any obstacle any obstacle that's there that would hinder your full enjoyment of that land. You know, it might be some some old gods or something hanging from the trees. You got to get rid of them. I'll get my crew together. Get, get the crew. But you see, it's promised to you. You got to go in and you got to get it. So, what does the land really represent? He's giving you the land. His blessing, his provision. Security and a place, a place to worship. Now, I want you to think about what the land represents, and you may have to think all the way um, to the judges. Think all the way to the judges. So, what does it say about the land in different times? Whether there was a judge or whether the people had rebelled, what does it say about the land? God brings people, they have war, and then for 20 years or 40 years or some number of years, the land has rest. See, she knows her Bible. The land represents rest. We're going to go to the New Testament here in just a minute because this is a pattern and a shadow of God's heart. God's heart for his people. I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. You like those chapters, don't you, Bill? Okay, and I am going to skip around, which I shouldn't do, but I'm not going to read all two chapters for us. So, just to tie this back to Joshua, let's start in Hebrews 4, verse 8. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So, there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. So God's rest is there for people to enter. I'm, I'm backing up to verse 6. So God's rest is there for people to enter 
But those who first heard this good news. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. And so let's back up to the first verse of chapter 3. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. I'm going to skip down to verse 7. This is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. I was angry with them, and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my rest. <clears throat> Verse 12. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving. Three, four times in these two chapters... It says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. <clears throat> this verse comes out of Psalm 95. You can read it on your own time, but it's like in the most interesting place in that psalm. I mean, they're talking about coming and praising God coming and recognizing that He is our God and we are the sheep of His people and of His hand. And then this, then this, this verse comes up right after that. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. The alternate translation is today, oh, that they would obey me. Why? In, in Deuteronomy, it tells us three or four or five times that it will go well with us. That it will go well with us. Now, what's interesting is after all this of not hardening their heart, we get to verse 12 in chapter 4, which we all know. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the two ed sharpest two-edged sword, sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. That's a scary verse, but it's not meant to be scary. We should, we should welcome that. His Word is our life in every way. Whether He's speaking through His written Word or He's giving speaking by his spirit we need we need to invite that we need to be warned if our heart is being hardened now i thought about that so what does that mean we always mean oh i'm about to do something wrong you know i'm falling away from god you know my my heart's not right but you know i was sitting here and 
you know, we had a, a lot of distractions during worship, but Pat, what you talked about, I thought, you know, a lot of times hardening our hearts, it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a, a process where it gets harder and harder. It is delayed obedience. Yeah. That's disobedience. If he's saying, now's the time to go in and take the land. Um, and, you know, I, more than I'd like to know, quench the spirit way too much. It's so easy to do. I mean, the third person of the Godhead, also almighty, is humble enough that to, to, to work with me. And I just can run over him like, it's not there. Oh, I'll do that later. Oh, I don't really think that's you. I don't want to go talk to that person. <laughs> we we quench the spirit. It's that unbelief. Yeah. Are you among us or not, God? I'm not sure that's you. You know, it takes faith to step out. Now, obviously, uh, in context, this is talking about, you know, God has given a specific thing, and now's the time to do it. And these people said, "Oh no, it's too hard. People are too big." It's too rough. We could get hurt. <laughs> but there's this other side of, 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 of this whole thing about, you know, showing us what's of the spirit and what's of the soul. We need to know that because one's kind of of the flesh and one's of the spirit. One brings fruit. One can be deeds of the flesh, you know. We all have places in our life that that are still part of the land that we live in, this land right here, that's got to be conquered, right? Go in and dispossess those things that are in us. But, you know, he follows this, this with, a, with a wonderful verse. Christ is our high priest. Since we have this great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Is he with you or not? Has he promised to sanctify you, to save you, to justify you, to glorify you? The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. That doesn't mean that we can presume, well, you know how I am. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that for 25 years, son. It's kind of time to step up. You, know, you can't keep... Using it as an excuse. I'm weak. Well, it's time to get strong, isn't it? He knows, but he knows our weaknesses. Did, did he ever seem weak to you when he walked the earth? Not to me. He was a man's man. What man's man turns another cheek? Man, you just hit. He was meek. He wanted us to learn of him to be humble and meek. But anyway, it says he understands our weaknesses. He went through the same testings we did. That's a whole other message that you can tie back to uh, the Old Testament. Um, and yet he didn't sin. It says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We, we sang about grace already this morning. His amazing grace. And if we come boldly, not arrogantly, but boldly based on the relationship and the promise and the price that he's paid, we'll receive mercy. And we'll find grace to help in that, 
in that particular time. You know, I was thinking, Pat, about that situation. How many times I've been in a place where it's like you're presented a situation and you're like, well, I'm not sure I'm going to have the right words for that person. Well, you probably don't, but if you open your mouth, the grace of God just brings it forth. It's a step of faith that we've got to learn to, to, to walk in this particular place. And so I, I, I just want to encourage you. I don't know what you've heard this morning. Actually, how are we doing for time? Why don't you tell me what you've heard before I close with this one verse out of the Psalms? What have you heard today? Anybody want to share just a sentence or two? Probably not fair because I've been thinking about this for about six weeks. <laughs> we, we miss so much of what God has for us. We allow fear to rob us of walking And in that place, there's rest. There's rest in the land. There's rest there, you know. The whole, we can talk about Hebrews 10 another time about the discipline of God. You know, in the end, it brings the peaceful fruit of righteousness. But um, we're not going to get to chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, but that's okay. Um, he's I was just focusing on that whole concept of promising the land, which land ultimately means that place of rest. Right. I've never really made that yeah. connection, but yeah. that's... There's a purpose for the land. Yeah. It's not just to be a nation, but it's to be a place of rest. Yeah. And Sometimes it, when I think of that scripture, I think of a one-time circumstance of God for our lives. <coughs> but I realize that it's, it, it also means that there is chapter after chapter in our lives, and there's something to take, there's something to press through the fear and the barriers to have what God has in mind, mm-hmm. and then when you have it, there's another one. Mm-hmm. It's time yeah. to have courage, have faith, and press through again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes we don't, but when we do, what a difference that makes. That's exactly right, and that's for the external actions and 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 works that God has created for us beforehand, mm-hmm. and it's also the work of. Uh, in, in Bill's message, uh, I'm sorry, but the grandkids started grabbing me when you went through all the things that were the deeds of the flesh. <laughs> but all those things that I guess you ex- you you ex- you expounded on those things. You know, there are times where it may not be the act, but it may be the thought or the motive. Those are the things that that we also have to have grace to go in and dispossess. Move, move that stuff out of your life. We've got to do that. Um, and so there, there's, there's on two fronts. There's an eternal, internal, and an external way that the Lord wants us to possess that rest that he has for us. There's a rest yet to, to hold on to, but there's also um, a, a great, you know, elements of rest that we can have all along as we... As we conquer these places, as we claim, as we possess what he's already given us. But we have to dispossess something to, to hold on to what he's given us. You so, know, one, one of the things you absolutely have no control over is where you're buried. Mm-hmm. Right? But that was the one um, Abraham, he was buried on the land which promised. That's where he rested. Right. And he had no control over where he was buried. I mean, he yeah. bought the land. 
but how do you know that somebody's going to implement what you did? Yeah. After you did. Yeah. yeah. He rested there. He did. God calls him up. He calls the rest of us up. I like what it says in verse 6. It says, when they first heard the good news, there's a rest. There's a rest that a good God wants us to be able to walk in. And part of that good news is it's it's been paid. It can be it's been paid for, and it can be given to us by faith. But we have to apprehend it. I'm going to correct. I want to close with this prayer. I've got it as a benediction because it's a good saying. Um, God be gracious to us and bless us, and cause His face to shine upon us. Why? That your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all the nations. God bless you. Thank you for putting up. My throat feels extremely scratchy. So I hope it's not been too hard to listen to. Thank you. You know, Jesus hardly ever talks about himself. Mm-hmm. as far as his characteristic what he's like mm-hmm. but what he does say in one place that describes who he is he says I am gentle mm-hmm. yeah. and so gentleness describes Jesus because that's what he says of himself yeah. Yeah. shouldn't we ought to follow yeah.